hello and welcome to episode 40 of the 1099 for the week of May 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, as always, Josiah Nodden, on this rainy, awful, stormy day in Jacksonville, Florida. And with me today is former full-time freelancer and brand new fighting game community expert at Yahoo Esports, Michael Martin. Michael, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. It's actually raining here also in Seattle. <laughs> Doesn't it always rain in Seattle, though? Isn't that just a mainstay? Isn't it surprising if it's sunny? I feel like that's one of those things where it's like, that's the perception, but no, it's probably really the case. <laughs> See, the perception of Florida, I feel like, is that it's always sunny, and that is just a crock of lies. Like, it is <laughs> raining here more often than it's sunny. Like, Sunshine State is just an unfortunate wrong term. Uh, I feel like I was lied to when I moved here. Uh, but first off, congratulations on the new gig, because... I, we were just talking before this. It's it's extremely difficult to find full time work in this industry. I, I know mm-hmm. you can talk to people at all different stages, and it's it's it doesn't come along very often. But in in a sense, it feels like the kind of these new avenues are opening up because of the introduction and popularity of competitive gaming in the mainstream at this point. It feels like the jobs that like these kind of jobs weren't around before, but you're seeing uh, other big websites committing in a major way to esports and to competitive gaming. So let's really start here. Were you approached by Yahoo, or did you apply for an open job? Uh, they actually came to me. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, how, how did that go? Like, what was that process like? It was fast. <laughs> um, it it was just like out of the blue. Nothing that I I guess I I expected to happen. In fact, uh, it it was kind of weird because that was a week that I had actually decided as a full time freelancer you know getting into a full-time position anywhere is 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 hard because there's just so few jobs and there's so many people i mean whether you're a full-time freelancer or not you know there's so many people um competing for these these jobs that you know they they rarely open up and when they do uh, it, it, it this you know you've got like as an example IGN you've got thousands of of people applying for for it's insane yeah for these handful of positions so it just so happened that that was a week that i kind of decided that i would ride freelance out through the end of the year and i i don't know you know just kind of start looking for work somewhere else um and sort of i guess continue to you know freelance part-time if i could just because i still liked doing it but uh i I wasn't confident that I would find a full-time position anywhere at that point. Um, just because, hey, you know, it wasn't my ability to to do the job, but just because, you know, it's so, it's just so competitive. And uh, I actually, you know, I've applied for a lot of jobs, but I, I never got interviews. And it's hard to, you know, find your way into this industry when you're, it is so competitive, but when you also kind of aren't really, f- I guess, finding your way into interviews and and sort of how to put yourself in a position that you can compete for jobs like that yeah and you know the competition out there. there's a lot of people who have had those full-time jobs before or have right. very often you see um with full-time jobs let's say at ign you'll see someone who has freelanced you know hundreds of like news articles and mm-hmm. reviews and previews for them and those are the people that get that so it's it's even more difficult if you already don't have your foot in the door i'm when i was first applying for full-time jobs way back when, before I was on any major sites, I thought like, oh, I have a chance. I have, you know, I know where I'm at writing-wise, but 
even if my acumen was there, like the actual, I, since I hadn't even been like paid big money for anything yet, I just wasn't in consideration. And I got into a couple of major job interviews for those full-time gigs. But even when you get to that, you know, first, second, third stage, the, the you have to be a Swiss army knife. You have to know a little bit of everything. You have mm-hmm. to be able to do video podcasts and everything to just get a chance. So yeah, it's, and it, it, it's a weird thing because this podcast so much is about like, advice for what you should do and <laughs> one of my biggest pieces of advice is like you need to be sure if you want to be a full-time freelancer because man like it is it can be extremely energizing it can mm-hmm. be extremely uh it's, it's such a passion project that you're putting so much into it and it's all on you and that can be super encouraging but oh my god you can burn out so quickly did you start to feel that burnout where you know there are weeks where the months if it's like if i don't get this stuff done if i don't get the assignments I just don't have the money. Like, did you start to feel that pressure? Um, so the interesting part, and first, I guess I would say, you know, of course, people ask me and and you and and a lot of us in freelance, you know, sort of the freelance community, like for advice or what to do, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, man, don't do what I did. Uh, <laughs> I quit my job, yeah, and and I was I was at a job that for like seven years that I I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take you know, working for my boss and he literally just drove me out, you know, the, the, the final straw and all that. But I got to a point where obviously I, I could do that. I could leave my job because I had enough freelance work going. And I think that in the time that I've, I've been doing all of this since I started, uh, especially going, you know, getting into the position where I could full-time freelance I've always been pretty fortunate. So the reason I was able to to quit my job and go full-time freelance was because I had enough stable work mm-hmm. that I could do that. And if it wasn't for being a freelancer for Red Bull Esports covering Street Fighter, um, I wouldn't have been able to to quit my job and, and, and do freelance full-time because... There, I pretty much had the ability to kind of like, you know, do and and write about what I wanted, uh, obviously, as it relates to Street Fighter. But there was also enough coverage with the Capcom Pro Tour and enough, you know, events. And then, you know, having started like a a column that we call a weekly column that we called Casuals, which is sort of a focus on a player uh, or I, I said player and personalities because at first it started with players and I'm like, man, if I only focus on players, I'm going to run out of people to write about. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so many. Yeah. So, I mean, out of like almost 40 weeks, I did a, a story a week minus like two weeks that I, I, I missed out of that whole time, um, which is a long time for any freelancers. I mean, that's a long time to do like a weekly column. It really is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I never really got to the point where I was worried about not having enough work. Um, somehow that all just kind of fell into place. Uh, I don't know if I would say I was starting to feel burnout, but I was definitely, uh, when all of this sort of happened with Yahoo, I was definitely in the position where I felt like I wanted some changes. Yeah, And I mean, getting out of freelance, I think is, you know, for me, it was good. I I think you know a lot of there are there are a lot of people who who do enjoy the freelance grind and I'm always amazed at how much work other people I mean there's there's people that I know that do like ten times the work that I did 
um, when I was still full-time freelancing. And that amazes me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my goal was to always work somewhere full-time. And so I got, you know, lucky that this sort of fell into place. And I, of course, don't want to dig too much into the money aspect of all of this. Right. But is this new Yahoo job, is it something you can do and be financially secure enough that you don't have to worry about working a second job or doing anything on the side? Uh, definitely, I can. I, I don't have to worry about, you know, second jobs or anything like that. And also, you know, because of the nature of the position, I also can't freelance anymore. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, I'm actually out of the freelance pool, mm -hmm. uh, which... You know, again, like I don't, I didn't mind freelancing. That's for sure. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't have done it. You know, for, I guess I wouldn't have gone down the path <laughs> that I did if I didn't like it to some yeah. degree. But uh, yeah, I mean, the goal was always to get something full time, and so uh, you know, this takes me out of that. Uh, you know, who knows down the road if if things change or whatever. I, I would certainly, you know, obviously look at freelancing again because that's I know that's something I can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that uh, puts me in the position that uh, I, I, you know, of course, I'm still making more than I would freelancing to begin with. So, yeah, it definitely feels weird when you do step out of freelancing, because when I uh, my full time job is in software and it's not related to games and they were uh, nice enough to let me freelancing. Of course, I understand, like if you work for a GameSpot, a Yahoo and ESPN <laughs> and IGN. It's kind of weird if like I'm writing full time at IGN, but I'm also freelancing at GameSpot. You can't do that. But right. uh, when I accepted the job at Tan Gentleman to help write content for them and do profiles and uh, right. community management, that was another time where I had kind of committed to them. One of my big kind of points was like, I'm not going to do any more freelancing outside of this. Like this is now my thing. But it, I remember it being very strange to kind of be like, it's something you're you're tied to and you have these contacts and these people that go to you and I'm guessing you know if you were like me with how long you're freelancing people start just emailing you and saying how about this and what about this idea and you have that dialogue kind of constantly going and to shut those avenues down uh, even if it is for something that uh, is better paying more mm -hmm. secure and there's not as much hustle there is there, there's a difference when you drop that hustle it, you it, it's it's a certain mindset that you got to kind of go away from but yeah that security I think is something that I value more than the hustle. And I mean, speaking again of Yahoo, how big of a push is Yahoo making with the fighting game community? Is is it more about covering esports as a whole? Is there a lot of coverage on Dota, League of Legends, and uh, even like shooters, or is this more about putting a spotlight on fighting games? So Yahoo uh, definitely covers uh, a bunch of different games. If you go to the main page, um, you know, there's CS:GO, there's Dota League. Uh, heart or heroes of the storm mm -hmm. you guys are probably gonna kill me because i can't remember all of them <laughs> Heartstone, probably there's probably i don't think so so there's five games at the top of the page um we, i mean obviously we'll, we cover a lot of different things but there's there's five sort of like primary games at the top and uh, street fighter 5 is is one of them also and when i let one of my editors know at one of the sites i freelance for that this is what i was i was doing and of course they were like oh congratulations and I laughed because I think it's so fitting because he was like, uh, they seem to be putting together like the Justice League of Esports over there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they pulled uh, Travis Gafford in, who I think a lot of people who follow the esports scene, just sort of in general, should know. Um, he was doing stuff with GameSpot. Um, they pulled in Taylor Cock, who I... I believe he was doing some freelancing with IGN as well as he kind of 
got on with the um, esports weekly push they were doing uh, for a while there. Um, Dylan Walker and myself. Uh, it's and they really sort of honed in on the experts within these different fields. And obviously, you know, they, they were given my name and because I've been covering street fighter for, you know, well over a year. Uh, but I've also been so invested in fighting games in general for such a long time. Um, people are always confused. I'm not really confused, but they're surprised when they find out how old I am because <laughs> uh, I don't look 39. Um, but you know, as a freshman in high school, when street fighter two came out and, I remember getting out of you know school every day and going to the corner store and playing Street Fighter with my buddies. I remember uh, talking to you on Twitter. I think I was maybe I was just starting this podcast, talking about freelancing, and you would like ask me a question and you mentioned how old you were. And I'm like, you're lying. You're not yeah. 39. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and you know I've got like four. I've got four kids. Two. Oh older my god. Ones. Yeah. Uh, two older ones with a with an ex, and I've got two young ones, a, a three year old and a one year old. Now he just turned one, and I started all this freelance stuff too. Like you know, around the time our three year old was was born. So uh, on top of that, you know, I actually went and went back to school and got my degree, all while still working a full time job as well. So, nice. but to back to the question of like how uh, Yahoo Esports is is sort of pushing into this. Um, I think they're, he- you know, they're, they're, obviously they're 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 heavily invested in this. They, I don't think they would, you know, go to the extent they they have um, if they were sort of like half-assing it. Um, I've seen other outlets kind of almost, I don't know, dip their toe into esports. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen other outlets kind of like, you know, just kind of like jump in and like, all right, here we are, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, or, and and I f- I feel like specifically when it comes to fighting games, the community I felt like there was some expectation from some of those, seeing some of those other places like you know get into this the uh, to the I guess the media side of the scene. Um, I'm impressed with what Yahoo wants to do because, you know, like it's a new thing and we're still constantly iterating on you know the site and a lot of other things. Um, to just you know we're just trying to find things that people enjoy and and that work and and that you know we can we can sort of build on and i think uh that's exciting for a lot of people and i mean that's a perfect segue for me because i kind of want to know i'm on the outside looking in when it comes to esports i had um jacob wolf and dylan skiffington on this podcast before and that was kind of my introduction to understanding that world because even if you're a huge fan of games and are really into that side uh you might have no idea what's going on with esports. So, how confident are you overall that this sort of coverage, this coverage we're seeing on ESPN, on Yahoo, and a lot of other sites, will remain as hot as it's been? Because, like I said, ESPN, for example, is really heavily investing in esports. They have Jacob Wolf on there. They have these people. And even today, like I saw on their Twitter account, which when they tweet things on the ESPN Twitter account, the Sports Center Twitter account, it's always the biggest stuff. Especially during right now, it's hockey playoffs, it's NBA playoffs, it's a big uh, UFC news cycle right now. But they posted a, a big esports thing. They posted one of Jacob's uh, posts, which is like 10 million or more people you're sending out to. So do you think there's a chance that Twitch, League of Legends, Dota, fighting games, do you think that might the, the coverage on that might cool down? Or does this feel like a, a something that's really going to stick, not just at Yahoo, 
but at these other outlets. I, you know, in general, esports is obviously growing. Uh, I think everyone wants to get involved, and the fighting game community part of it is 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 sort of an interesting dynamic because it is growing. Um, there are a lot of you know whether it's it's media or or otherwise like you know Geico just sponsored um, Panda Global, which is uh, not just fighting games, but you know they're, they they're primarily sponsoring like FGC and Smash players. Um, so you see stuff you see companies like that getting involved, and I mean I think it's going to continue to grow. I don't know if it hits sort of like a you know, a, a boiling point where either, you know, I guess it, it stops growing to, to a point where we don't see more new organizations or we kind of see it level out, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like fighting games, by the way, Jason or uh, Jacob's a, a, such a good dude. I mean, that guy does some amazing work. Um, He's so just and, in, like, he knows a little bit of everything about that community, yeah. too. I feel like all the breaking news every time, it's like, God damn it, it's him again. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think he's perfect for, you know, the, the position that he's in, uh, with ESPN. Um, so yeah, I mean, in fighting games, there, there's going to be growth, but, you know, as a community, we've, we've always sort of been leery of growing too, too fast, too much too fast. And um, I don't know how that necessarily plays into media coverage as much as, you know, that it's, that's just, we, we're, we're still clinging to the very, to the grassroots part of, of fighting games. But, you know, I, my, I mean, lo- jumping in with Yahoo, I'm just like, I just want to make, you know, the, obviously the best content I can for the site and push the fighting game community as best as I can uh, just like I did with Red Bull Esports. And, you know, it's because of that year or so that I was there that really sort of prepared me and, and set me up for, you know, this, the Yahoo thing. You've been setting me up perfectly for every question I have next. I want to let you know that. I didn't brief you on any of these, but it's really <laughs> perfect because my next question is about that pushback from the fighting game community. Have you seen much pushback from becoming more mainstream? Uh, you know, there were a lot of incidents, I feel like, over the years where they kind of were tiptoeing toward becoming much more of a household name and then suddenly the the community kind of pushes back and they want to stay like you said those grassroots that the memory of you know this crowd around an arcade machine and people just slinging all kinds of things at each other in terms of just verbal jabs have they accepted the brighter lights or would they rather just have that kind of tapered down because there has to be a little bit of jealousy you look at something like league of legends and dota those things just came on the scene and exploded and there's all these just these tournaments after tournaments and championships and these millions of dollars being floated around so i would assume the fighting game community wants that but would they almost want that along with still having their grassroots you know get off my lawn this is my side of the fence fighting game community attitude i th- <laughs> i think the the thing that i find the most inter- interesting is when I guess people are unwilling. Some some individuals or or just I guess groups, whatever, are just unwilling to accept that fighting games are esports. Mm. Um, I mean, it's too late. We're esports. Now, having said that, uh, you know, I I do feel that there's a way for fighting games to evolve and grow as an esport without losing all of its identity. 
Um, I do feel like there are some things that you kind of have to trade um, for it to grow and for it to become an even bigger esport. But I mean, if you are doing your best to compete at as many events as you can to qualify for an event that you know could pay out, uh, I believe it's like one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to the winner at the end of the year. Yeah, I don't know how much more esports you. Th- you can get <laughs> it's pretty I mean, damn esports. It's it's pretty damn esports, uh, and I do feel that the majority of the community wants to be bigger and wants more money involved. Um, I'm a you know I'm a little surprised maybe that there it hasn't actually you know that some companies haven't come in with a little bit more money, uh, but I mean I I still feel like there's some feeling out uh, both from like I guess the corporate side and the community side, and I think. I think we're so far on a pretty good path, and I think that we're seeing like a lot of top people and influencers—not just players, but you know, influencers within the industry—that are doing things and take and and actually getting jobs at various um, companies and corporations that I don't feel like they would take those positions if they didn't believe that. You know the, the the corporations or the companies had the the community's best interests in mind. Um, you know, as an example, I think team uh, 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 Spooky Team Spooky uh, just revealed that today that he had taken a I believe it's a project manager position with XSplit, which is a popular uh, streaming um, software, mm-hmm. and. I mean, here's a guy who's about as grassroots as he gets, right? He's one of the first sort of fighting game streamers out there back in the day. Um, basically built up, uh, you know, his his own business, Team Spooky, by, you know, sort of being ahead of the curve uh, on the streaming fronts. And, I mean, he was streaming on Twitch before it was Twitch, when it was still Justin TV. Um, back when they had like limitations of if you had a, I forgot it was called just yeah, TV. and they had limitations back then. I think if you had like a thousand viewers in your channel, uh, it would actually uh, limit how many international viewers could could join the stream and and yeah. spectate. So he 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 actually went to UStream because of that, and they went back to him when they realized that this is starting to be a thing. And they said, Hey, what would it take to get you back? And he told them to, you know, get rid of that. And they did. So, um, so I, you're seeing guys like that take on positions. I mean, I, I'm sure he'll still continue to do what he do, what he does, um, which is, you know, uh, producing events and, and streams. Uh, fantastic dude does a lot of great work. There's a lot of guys out there and companies out there doing uh, similar things. A lot of great work. But the more you see those guys, I think, take on roles where they can also guide the community through, you know, these organizations, um, I think you'll, I think we'll sort of safely see the the community grow, <laughs> um, and and we'll be okay. When it comes to viewership for these events, for these games in general, I mean, for me, I I look at something like Street Fighter. And although there's a lot of nuance to the actual fighting and to the different characters and different movesets, I think it's easier for a casual fan to look at Street Fighter and know what's going on compared to looking at Dota or League of Legends. And I only use those two games as an example because 
I played a lot of League of Legends, not to sound like a hipster, but back when like college when it first started to it's first started to get popular, I put a lot of time into that game. But if I hadn't played that game, I'd have no idea what the hell is going on. It's just like what are these three lanes? Why are why are you letting these minions go through? What's a last hit? Why do I need a jungle? Like there's there's this barrier to entry. But in terms of what I've seen for viewership, like Dota and League of Legends kill, and while the fighting games are also doing well, they're not at that level in terms of just amassing these audiences uh d- do you think that the that level of that barrier to entry really matters when it comes to viewership on twitch like can you can you explain to someone like me who doesn't understand how esports work why something like league of legends why something like dota and uh, clash royale recently would have a bigger kind of audience a bigger user base in that sense than something like street fighter which is two dudes fighting each other or two ladies fighting each other <laughs> Uh, I, I'm always, I'm actually always surprised that fighting games maybe don't have a larger viewership, just sort of in general. Um, but I think a lot of that also comes down to you're talking about, uh, you know, I, I still think it comes down to like the sort of the numbers within the community. Hmm. You know, you're talking about League or Dota, which um, has millions of players all around the world, and you know, like as to use Dota as an example, their finale, the international, has um, a massive prize purse because people can sort of actually buy into that and contribute to that. And when they see, you know, I think part of it too is like they see this this number of like, hey, we got a twelve million dollar prize purse. I mean, that's just incredible, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you know that that. That to me, that's just like the the size of the community. There's a lot of people playing these games. Uh, when it comes to fighting games, there are less people playing them. Um, I would I would also agree and and almost argue that fighting games are probably the simplest or or the easiest to uh, of esports to spectate because yeah, it's it's pretty much just like one person versus another, and there's life bars and you can see what's going on. Yep. If I'm watching a, a game of Dota, I don't I don't follow those games, so I don't know what's going on. Um, there's a lot of characters running around and and hitting things, and um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, you you show me a match of Dota, and I couldn't tell you what's happening. Um, but I, yeah, so I think it comes down to like you know just the the size of the communities as as far as like how many people are also playing these games. Finding games have always been sort of a niche niche thing and or niche however you I think both ways are fine (laughs) yeah um and again I feel like it also goes back to the hesitation of uh at times of the community the fighting game community wanting to grow so um the big events still do well. Evo always draws interest from people, and it's one of those things where it's like someone sees Evo, they see something hype happen on Evo, and they they're like, "Well, maybe I should check out Street Fighter," and that's kind of how we get them in. Um, and with Street Fighter Five sort of like resetting the competitive um, playing field, uh, I would I would imagine we'll see some uh, some growth, kind of like what Street Fighter Four had. First off, I'm super happy to have people like you and Jacob around. I could talk to in this podcast just as like a what's going on in esports that I don't understand. It's a really good (laughs) half of these podcasts are like, I would like to learn this stuff. Hopefully other people find it interesting. Second, uh, when you just mentioned Street Fighter Mm V, what are the hottest fighting games out there right now? And what does it take to actually become 
a mainstay at these tournaments. I mean, you look at five and everything I've heard about it from the outside. I, I'm a Street Fighter fan. I've played quite a bit, you know, when I was a kid and I played a lot of four. I haven't played five yet, but and that game kind of launched incomplete. Uh, not that it matters overly for the competitive scene because it was more of the single player mm-hmm. stuff that wasn't there. But I mean, is that is that the hot thing right now? Does Mortal Kombat ever take hold or people crying because Tekken Cross Street Fighter is not coming out? Like what is Marvel versus Capcom still like what is it, what is the biggest thing right now? And again, what does it take to become one of those fighting game pillars? Uh, it's always going to be Street Fighter. Um, and that's just sort of like by default. It always has been. And, uh, you know. When it comes to the other games, I think what we see in in maybe the last couple years is there's there is a lot of sort of crossover. I mean, you know, Street Fighter players have always uh, like played other games. Um, you know, when there was a lot of Capcom games to be played back in the day, Third Strike, Capcom versus SNK, Marvel versus Capcom, all those. Uh, but I think we're actually starting to see more players from other you know, other areas of the FGC come into Street Fighter. And that's interesting to me. So you've got, uh, as an example, Sonic Fox, who is, I think pretty much, I don't know that anyone would disagree that he's probably the best MKX player right now. Um, 19, 20 year old kid who has, I, I think he won Evo. I think he won the ESL, the big league that they do. Uh, that guy's made a lot of money playing Mortal Kombat X at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And he's getting into Street Fighter. You know, he finished just outside the top eight at the first big premiere event final round. I think he came in ninth place. And, you know, he's actually playing a character that many would consider as like bottom tier. Oh, really? So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, he's one of those. I, um, he's kind of a prodigy, I think, where he's just sort of like he could pick up a fighting game because he, he's he's played multiple fighting games in the past as well. Skullgirls, Dead or Alive, uh, you know, some of the other anime type uh, fighting games. And he's done really well in, in almost everything that he's picked up. So as far as like the size of the other sort of communities within uh, the, the other fighting games within the FGC, it's um, it's always going to be Street Fighter that kind of is the largest. Uh, the other games... You know, I would say that not all of them are as healthy as as either they should be or I'd like them to be. Um, the anime fighting games are always sort of uh, out there, you know, um, <laughs> doing their thing. <laughs> uh, um, Marvel is a game that I would be surprised if it makes another Evo after this one. Um, wow. I f- I feel like this is probably the last one, and I f- and part of that is because I think some of the players want to move on and just focus on Street Fighter Five. Um, some of the prominent players, the the quote unquote gods, if if you will, you know, I, Mortal Kombat is an interesting one to me because that is a game that I had hoped when it released would actually be sort of competitive with Street Fighter, um, just because I, you know, it's it's healthy to see competition and it's healthy to see a game have good numbers. Uh, that's not really the case. I think the way they kind of handled the patch process and and constantly tweaking the game changing characters balancing things like that i think that actually drove a lot of people away and you know just got to the point where i don't know that it's really recovered um at least from a spectator standpoint um you know it's one of those games that like it's always sort of early on the schedule at tournaments 
the finals are, you know, usually pretty hype, but mm-hmm. they're not at the prime times like, you know, some of the other games like Street Fighter and whatnot. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see what happens with like Tekken because, you know, where the hell's Tekken 7? <laughs> uh, Japan's already, yeah, Japan's already had two revisions in the arcade and there's still no console release date. Uh, and they're actually running a their own sort of you know uh, what would you call it like series or or uh, series of tournaments throughout the year for uh, for Tekken Seven and and you know it's just kind of weird to me it's like well man like hardly anyone in the U S has access to this game I I don't know who would because it's you know the the version they're using actually isn't even released uh, in U S arcades what few that are left so. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time to see where things go. There's a lot of fighting games that are they're actually coming out this year, which I find interesting. King of Fighters 14. I'm really curious why they would release a fighting game this year, but uh, they they are. God, there's so um, many of those games. Yeah, it's weird because it's kind of like how it was in the 90s, and actually when Street Fighter 4 revived the scene and all the fighting games came back. So now we're kind of at a point where everyone's putting out fighting games in a relatively short amount of time. And I don't know if, if it's great for the community or not, because some of these games are going to cannibalize each other. Is it almost better? Do you think that we have like two main or three main fighting games? Cause again, you look at MOBAs and there's league of legends and Dota. And those are the two that are bringing in all the money and they're getting all the attention from the press. It would almost be better if it was, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, done. Is it worse if you have all these other things because then people just are like, okay, what do I pay attention to? Um, I always, I mean, I think it's better to have a variety of games. So, you know, whether it's the anime fighting games, Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, whatever. Um, I just think it's weird that companies want to put out new fighting games the same year Street Fighter f- comes out. Um, because I just... I mean... Street Fighter Five has, or you know, Capcom has the the Pro Tour, and there's a huge focus on that. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like when 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 they started showing King of Fighters 14 stuff, I'm just like, what? Why? Uh, not that I don't think that game should you know should come out or whatever, but I just it just kind of baffles me that they Every would even. Every series cons- needs a 14th entry. Yeah. <laughs> it just baffles me that they would consider putting it out this year when there's so much focus on Street Fighter and. And like I said, you're kind of seeing it now where players are abandoning some of the games that they might not otherwise, um, you know, leave behind for Street Fighter V because, you know, there's there's a good chance that some players could sneak their way into Capcom Cup and have a legitimate shot at some, you know, decent money. I mentioned it a little bit earlier about kind of the initial issues with Street Fighter V. Has that put a, a kind of a dark cloud over that game in the community at all? Because, again, it's... That game shipped as an incomplete game. That game shipped with a lot of updates that needed to happen, a lot of features that shouldn't, you know, should have been there at launch. A lot of people say so. Has that had any sort of impact, or is the actual core fighting so sharp that that hasn't really mattered? So I'm probably one of the few people that you would talk to that doesn't, uh, I guess, agree with the idea that it's an incomplete game. Okay. Um, and I, you know, and I don't devalue like. What, how anyone feels about how that game shipped because I don't disagree with a lot of the people, you know, should it have had more tools or, you know, should it have a story mode, a better story mode? Uh, you know, probably, but 
uh, we knew that was that update was coming all the way back from last year. Um, I think people forget that Capcom said at last year's Evo in a panel that there would be a June story mode update. Um, but as as it you know as to the rest of the game, I feel like Capcom maybe lost its way a little bit in in its messaging um, because they were they really talked they talked a lot about and really wanted to get new players because that's of course that's what you do with a new game right you open it up so that you can attract more new players and they didn't give those players any tools to be competitive um or to learn how to play the game when when the game launched so i think that was the biggest issue is you probably missed out on a lot of early adopters having said that you know if this game runs the course of like five, six, seven, eight years, it's of course it's gonna. Most likely, it will continue to grow, um, just like Street Fighter Four did, and that game was at its most competitive, you know, last year. So it's really interesting to see uh, where we leave one game that's still sort of at the peak of its popularity and move on to a new one. Um, but within the the competitive scene. Yeah, I mean, there's people that complain about not having some features, but this is this is the most balanced. I think that you'll see a game come out like at launch. Uh, this is one of the most solid, like fundamentally solid fighting games you'll ever see, and we're seeing good players that are still good. <laughs> um, they're still at the top, but we're seeing other players come in doing really well from like other fighting games and you know it's take it's i think it's going to take some time but we're seeing new players as well as some old players that are coming back because they didn't care for street fighter 4 and and they're you know they're playing and you know it's it's just a really interesting time to kind of see how everything shakes out i think the game competitively the game's in a different place than it was even two months ago and by the time we hit evo it's going to be you know it's going to be different than and it'll evolve by the time we get down to um, Capcom Cup in December. So, it does does it, does the launch hurt? Absolutely. Um, and I and Capcom's totally aware of that. They've you know they've since the launch they've put it out there like, look, we understand you know this that whatever. Um, but competitively speaking, I feel like the game should. Obviously, I don't get paid the big bucks to run Capcom, right? But I feel like what uh, yeah. could have happened was, yeah, uh, I don't feel like uh, what I feel like what should have happened was, hey, we're gonna do like a soft launch, yeah, a competitive soft launch. No, Maybe it's a little cheaper, right? Um, and then the full retail launch will be in June. I don't know if you want to call it early access because I think sometimes, as you probably know, being in this industry, that's not always a term for it. Exactly, Um, that's not the most marketable term. But at the same time, that's how a lot of people felt this game was was just like an early access game. Um, But I can tell you that I think that the players and and there are Street Fighter Four players that were legitimately worried about this game not being good or them not liking it. And I feel like a lot of that when the game launched went away. Um, I feel like every competitor, uh, including myself, uh, and I don't even I wouldn't even really consider myself a competitor. um, But I feel like the people that are playing this game competitively and or, or, you know, want to play, uh, I guess, against other people and not the computer (laughs) um, really love the game. Yeah, it was definitely for me just, you know, a lot of 
random friends of mine from high school or college will kind of do like the should I buy this or they'll talk to me about games right. once they buy them and the people who know Street Fighter interested in it my brother is also into it too bought the game they kind of had that like wait what reaction to it just because of the missing features but I agree with you that uh, for the for the fighting game community I bet it hit you know because it was so solid otherwise it did that didn't really matter there's just this concern for me as someone who wants Street Fighter to do well where it's like I do understand this is a it's not a you know the first year is important, but even moving forward is just as important. How long can this game maintain? But you don't want to sour people so early on that they don't want to come back to it. So I hope that uh, there's there are people who kind of give it another chance once these updates come out. Uh, people who might not be huge fighting game fans, but know the Street Fighter name, want to play it, and they can kind of go back to it later. Uh, and yeah, there's a, So I think Capcom really hit on a great... Um, when I talked to them about this, hit, hit on a great point too, like the thing that people I guess don't really recognize um, is that this is more than Street Fighter five is more than just sort of like a video game. It's, it's a fighting game service. I mean, that's what they're really pushing. Um, you know, a lot of people joke about how like have having to buy updates in the future, you know, the super, the ultra, the whatever. And basically the way the game works is you buy the game once and that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's all you'll ever need to play the game. Yes, there are things you can purchase in the future with real money or or in-game currency or otherwise. Um, but, you know, they're pushing a service and they have had esports in mind throughout the entire development and process of Street Fighter V. Um, and that's something that's actually, you know, really new. Like, their Killer Instinct has a similar sort of uh, model in how they they release their game and the characters and whatnot, but, you know, for Capcom to kind of do what they're doing with Street Fighter V, I mean, this is like uncharted territory for the fighting game community and esports, and again, you know, this is one of those things where if we want to grow, um, you know, this is their attempt at, at doing that, and like I said, there are plenty of people showing up to, uh, to events at Final Round, which was in Atlanta back in, last month in March, um, they had a they had to cap their Street Fighter Five uh, tournament at a thousand and twenty four players. Oh, jeez! Three years ago, that's Evo numbers. Yeah, that's Evo registration numbers. That's the largest you know non Evo tournament for Street Fighter I think ever. Man. And you're yeah you're seeing more people show up to these events. Uh, up here in Seattle, we have a local event that's I think next week, and they. I believe they put a cap on on theirs just in case. I don't know how close they are to it, but you know they were worried about how many people would show up, and so they put a cap on on their event too. So you're going to see that, I think, everywhere throughout the year. Uh, do you ever think we're going to get to a point? Because right now, again, when you see the the Sports Center ticker, or the ESPN ticker, and you see esports, immediately you get all of the social media reactions of "not a sport, not a sport." Why am I seeing this? Forget this. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Uh, and that happened for, I'm a big uh, MMA fan, I'm a big UFC fan, where that happened a lot for that, and then it slowly became more mainstream, and now people are really into it, and they see it that way, but that's still athletic, that's still, you know, an athletic competition, which, you know, esports isn't, it's a completely different thing, which is totally fine, but do you think we'll get to the point where it feels like a sport that even casual people accept, where you don't have that immediate gut reaction of like, I need to ridicule this immediately because it's not normal. Do you think we're approaching a time where it's 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 just normal for something a sports network or any other network to just post about that and no one gets that weird like 
F this attitude. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get to that point. Um, but I'm also sort of on the side with other people I've spoken with where it's kind of weird that we have to make that comparison. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, I'm, I don't care what we call it necessarily. Um, to me, it, it, it doesn't matter if esports becomes as big or as mainstream as like traditional sports. Um, they're, they're very different things to begin with. Uh, you know, do we get to the point where ESPN is going to show stuff like on the ticker? Yeah. I mean, maybe I think we can get, I think it gets to the point where that just becomes mainstream enough. Um, you know, it's taken as anyone who's been a, a fan of video games or I, I guess even anything pop culture related, comic books, whatever. Um, you know, they know that it's, it's taken a lot of time for, for these things to sort of be accepted in the mainstream anyway. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if esports gets to that point, but I'm one of those people that kind of feels like you don't necessarily have to shoehorn it into, you know, being sports or I, it can exist in its own separate, uh, I guess, world and still become, you know, as big as sports, I think, uh, or, or as, you know, as popular, I, you know, I was at Heroes of the Dorm, which was uh, the finals were up in Seattle. I don't follow Heroes of the Storm at all. But, uh, you know, as a MOBA, it was actually kind of interesting because it's I know it's a lot more simple than some of the other games. And so it was actually easy to follow. But, you know, it was kind of interesting to be at a televised ESPN2 event, a video, a televised, you know, video game event. Yeah. Um, the, the, the crowd was like, you know, they were so hyped for what was happening. Uh, I, I was really interested just kind of like the whole experience. Um, I did graduate from ASU, so it was kind of cool to see them win. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, stuff like that to me is like, yeah, I would love to see like fighting games. Oh, man, I would love to see an event like that. Um, you know, Evo, Evo's finals are going to be at the Mandalay Bay. So I'm curious oh, to see how that turns out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, it's just one of those things where I don't necessarily feel like we have to make that comparison or like aspire to be like, you know, the NBA or the NFL. Cause I mean, those are billion, you know, huge billions and billions of dollars. Uh, you know, those companies are generate just billions and billions of dollars and video games aren't ever going to quite be esports are aren't ever, I think going to quite be to that, you know, get to that point. Um, but I would definitely love to get to the point where it's not like, Oh, you know what? Why is this on my TV? You know, <laughs> I I'm 100 percent on board with that. I even though I don't think that you know calling it a sport really matters, yeah. I do think there's this mental block that it, it's the yeah. same with. I am not a wrestling fan, uh, and my initial reaction to wrestling is usually like the I'm trying not to tweet something snarky, um, but I think it's the <laughs> same barrier where you see an ESPN covering wrestling and you're like, I get it. But it's not like it's not a sport. I, I appreciate things like esports and things like wrestling to kind of be popular in their own little world. And I, I appreciate the coverage. But there, I do see there is that mental block. And I, I would almost prefer if it was separated in a certain way. I want ESPN to cover it. But yeah, it, it's it's labeling that I think people do struggle to get over right. with that. Uh, and I think it's hard to right. It's like it's hard to label it. It's hard 100%. to because it's like, well, we have this video game thing and it's an esport and you know like 
where where do we put this on our yeah our it's like yeah like is this, it was back in like <laughs> high school there's always those people who were like the people like people in the band the marching band we recognize the yeah. athletes and you're like there's always people who played football and they're like that's not that's not a sport like what do you mean athletes so yeah it, it's it's a labeling issue well, I think even that. within sports you know like golf right I'm a I, golfer. I, let's fight. Uh, let's go. I, mean, like I, I think there's a lot of, but I think there's a lot of people who look at, or, or maybe in the past, you know, there's been a lot of, whether it's athletes or, or just pe- spectators that look at something like golf or NASCAR and it's like, that's not a sport. They're like, objectively wrong. No, I know what you mean. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> um, NASCAR isn't, but you know, golf. It, <laughs> there's no ball involved. Um, exactly. What? Uh, <laughs> it's a goddamn car. But, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 just interesting. We're in an interesting time, and I think you you mentioned this you know early on, but you know, uh, or you kind of, may kind of asked about it. But um, six months ago, we didn't have like jobs, these kind of jobs, you know, in in esports media. Uh, ESPN wasn't around. Yahoo wasn't getting into esports. Um, other websites, other major websites, were still trying to. You know, traditional gaming websites. We're still trying to figure out, like, what do we do? Because this isn't really our our viewership, right? Like, this, yeah. but we this is a thing we need for the last year or two. All I heard from different freelancers was get into esports, but how, right? Because like, there's nobody, there was nobody pushing coverage necessarily. You kind of had to do it yourself. It, but that was, and that's kind of goes into this last question I have for you. This idea of like, go get an esports because you knew it was starting to get big, even if there weren't really homes to do that. I mean, for you, as someone who was freelancing for about a year full time and then found this job, I mean, what advice would you give to freelancers right now who are looking for that full time work? Is it that you know you need to specify in something that a lot of other people don't know how to do, so you can get that for your foot in the door that way. Like, what what is your advice? Because I've given a lot of advice. I have my own perspective. But for you, what would you say, someone who is in your position who wants that full time work? What, what what would you tell them to start doing right now? So when I first started freelancing, I think like a lot of freelancers, I felt like <clears throat> I just need to be like I I need to be as as general as possible. Like I need to hit on everything, right? Because mm-hmm. I need to find work everywhere. Yep. Um. But throughout that time, like I kept hearing, like you know, specialize in something, specialize in in esports, or, and I even remember thinking, like, how the hell do I do that? Like, <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you how do you become a specialist in something? I have no idea. And I I also remember thinking, well, out of all the things that I know in video games, like I know Street Fighter, I know fighting games. That's that's my number one thing. That's all I've you know, not all I've ever focused on, but like that's the one thing that. I've always sort of gravitated towards. And like I said, these kind of jobs weren't really around even like six months ago. So as I progressed in my freelance career, um, going from even from part-time to full-time, I sort of became the de facto fighting game guy. Yeah. You know, like I was covering fighting games for a lot of different websites. I, you know, I freelanced IGN news for 18 months and it got to the point where their their fighting games guy is Vince Ingenito, but you know he's doing a lot of other things because he's a you know, full time employee at IGN. So when it comes to new stuff, it almost always came down to me, and I'm always the one trolling like the the the, the different sites and sources for fighting game news to begin with. So I'll never forget one time before Street Fighter Five came out, 
Capcom reveal the character. I don't know what Capcom. What are you always these eight a.m. reveals that they do? <laughs> and I had just woken up. I had literally just seen it, and uh, Vince sent me a text. He's like, "Yo, are you on that that Rainbow Mika news?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm turning my computer on now." <laughs> um, so so funny. So if you had asked me back then, I'm like, "Well, I don't know. You gotta, I guess." be a, a generalist and touch on everything but i don't know somehow find your way into this that whatever now i'm seeing more talk and i i definitely lean more towards you should specialize in something um it doesn't matter what it is uh if it's esports whatever i feel like you should specialize in something and if you're going to do esports i think that if you are a an expert in a specific game or a couple of games, I feel like that's to your advantage because now you can provide an insight at an outlet that a lot of people can't. Um, I don't cover other esports. Like I primarily only cover fighting games, um, mostly because at the time, you know, as a full-time freelancer, like you can only follow so much, right? Yeah, you're too busy hustling uh, to get work to begin with. Um, and it's not because I don't have interest in other games, but you know, it's like I said, fighting games have always been my passion and somehow I was lucky enough to make that into a career, which I'm still not even sure how it all <laughs> happened. Like, I don't know how I, uh, you know, but, but it did. And, and I see, you know, even when, when I see someone like as an example, going back to Jacob Wolf, I mean, here's a dude who he actually follows a lot of different games. But here's a dude who basically specialized in breaking news. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what that guy does, and he does it well. And, you know, when you look at Yahoo's, um, the Yahoo Esports team, like I said, you know, they put together a Justice League of, of experts in their fields. And I think that's really cool. Um, and I think you're going to see more of that. But, it, you know, like I said, it doesn't ha just have to relate to esports. As an example, I saw Sam Claiborne from IGN tweet out he's looking for a, co a Pokemon expert. I mean, yeah, people are getting are so specific now. Yeah, there are so many people filling up, you know, his his timeline um, because they know, you know, everything about Pokemon. <laughs> um, Someone so, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are people who there are those people about any given, I guess, topic or, or field or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's good to be a generalist because, you know, you kind of need to be able to do that to get a lot of different work. But being an expert in something um, is I, I I feel like that's going to be the path we go down, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. You're absolutely right. It's it's just how it is. If you are focused on doing full-time freelancing and trying to get as much money as possible, there's absolutely a benefit to knowing a little yeah. bit about everything. But I talked to Dan Stapleton not too long ago, uh, IGN's uh, reviews man, and mm -hmm. he had talked about, he said, if people are sending an application, the thing he doesn't want to hear is, you know, what genres are you an expert in? And if you say all of them, he'd like you're, you're not. You're not yeah. an expert in all genres. Like, I... I've said that when I started out. I don't know shit about some genres. Yeah. Like I just I, MOBAs. I kind of know how they work, but I couldn't really review a MOBA game. So it's 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 great advice to be able to, you know, you should know a little about everything. But when I I realized through my writing, I was good at reviews. But when I really felt like I was doing my best work was when I was profiling and when I was telling uh, someone's story. When I was able to talk to developers and figure out what is special about this what is where is the where is the story in this you know hour-long interview that i want to tell people and that mm -hmm. people are interested in 
I mean, and that's what got me this job at Tan Gentleman. And that's for you when you figured out that, you know, fighting games were your thing. That's what got you this job at Yahoo. And I think that's you might not know it right now if you're a freelancer what you're good at. You might not. Sometimes you just feel like I kind of a little bit good at everything, but nothing sticks out. You'll find it. It might be, you know, Nick Capazzoli is like he's a dude who's really good at criticism. You find like these people, like you said, Jacob Wolf is really good at breaking news. You'll find it. Even over the course of being a generalist, it might pop out of you and you're like, oh my God, this is it. This is my thing. You'll find it. And I think that is, I agree. If you're looking for full-time work, it won't guarantee it, but it'll give you a much higher kind of odds at doing so. So, uh, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a great for me to understand what is going on in the world of fighting games and what is going on in the world of esports. And again, I couldn't be happier for you. I remember seeing you take that plunge into full-time freelance at a time where I was doing part-time and I, I one of those times where I'm like, I really hope this guy, you know, is able to is is to find his <laughs> what a, way. What a maroon! <laughs> <laughs> what a doofus! What is he doing? No, but you 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 found your 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 niche or your niche your yeah. niche your niche niche and uh you're you're doing it. So again, I couldn't be happier for you know where you're at, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of what you do at Yahoo. Yeah, I'm on camera now, and that's not something I ever did. It's which big, it's a big change boy boy did they really take a chance on that <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no i i appreciate it um i i'm actually really glad that i got to got to do this i'm i love being on podcasts so yeah you know, it's anybody it, that wants to have me on you know feel free <laughs> yeah, it's always good to kind of air this stuff out too that's one yeah. of the most useful things with this podcast people, people can kind of look back and like oh i've done all this this is cool yep. to kind of appreciate this so yep. again yep. Thank you for being on. I will definitely have you on in the future so we can talk more about fighting games if something crazy happens. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you tune back in for the next episode of the 1099. <laughs>